Welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast, where business leaders tell their stories and share their insights. All our guests have a personal connection with Nottingham Business School. So listen, learn, enjoy and share. Welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast with with me, Mike Sassy. Jonathan Sims is Chief Procurement Officer with uh, international energy company Engie. In that role across Britain and Ireland, he manages a budget of £1 billion every year. At the age of 16, he left school in Mansfield with a handful of O-levels and went to work in his family's construction business. But since then, he has enjoyed a stellar corporate career as surveyor, then engineer, now procurement specialist. He's also picked up four university degrees along the way. The company he works for is currently installing electric vehicle pumps the length and breadth of the country. So, with the government's target that uh, all new vehicles sold must be electric by 2030, he's going to be a busy man. Jonathan Sims, thank you for joining us here on the NBS Business Leaders Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Pleased to, pleased to be here. So, I, I think I have to start with that billion pounds. You're Chief Procurement Officer with a big company, so it's not unexpected. But does that kind of that size of budget ever keep you awake at night? I mean, uh, the the whilst the the addressable spend for this year is is circa one point two billion, it's broken down into thousands of contracts for us. You know, so countless projects, a myriad of subcontract packages and products. Um, so I think the the principles of of great procurement are the same, irrespective of the budget. So I try not to focus too much on the headline numbers. I think what focuses my mind more is is the procurement performance, which is very central within our business. Um, and I think that's sometimes where I have the sleepless uh, nights. You've talked about good procurement performance. What is good procurement performance? Our savings target this year was um, circa 17.3 million. So that's the, the core impact that procurement has to deliver to the business through administering that that circa a billion pound plus spend uh, on behalf of all our pro- uh, you know projects and divisions, so delivering you know value to the business through procurement comes in a number of ways. So it's not just cost savings, but it's managing risk. Um, it's looking at warranties. It's looking at getting innovation and, and and the right products onto our sites, and and also driving sustainability. So it's a uh, there's a myriad of kind of levers that we pull within procurement to, to deliver those savings. NG is one of Europe's biggest suppliers of chargers for, for, for electric cars. Is it, a, is it a company in the right place at the right time? I mean, I think when I look at the, the evolution within the NG business in the last two years, you know, the, the pace of change has been enormous. And I think that, you know, the, the, the government has is, is been very... Um, supportive in driving that green agenda um, and it has shaped our business activities um, so probably in 2019 the organizational purpose of the business grew at, at a global level shifted to making zero carbon happen which for a you know a utility business with a lot of thermal assets historically is a, is a huge shift but yeah the the, the 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 speed within which we've moved into those markets and the growth that we're experiencing is, is really encouraging and you know long may that sort of continue really are the companies that um, that are trying to make zero carbon happen a particularly good option for for someone hoping for a long and successful career? I think they I think they are, and I think particularly as we alluded to earlier that the, the the government's focus around green recovery and also 
construction and infrastructure investment in the UK being particularly at the centre of how we will recover from you know the impact of what COVID's done to our economy. I think it's a it's a very sensible area for for for, for people to be moving into that want a a stable career that's that's got a, a pipeline of activity associated with it. Um, so yeah, I think it's an exciting sector at the minute. I mean, did you talk at it or? I think for me, construction's been a, a, a key sector of focus for me for all of my working life. And NG was a, was a natural continuation of that because we have a huge construction business within that portfolio, kind of an £800 million construction business just within the UK alone as part of a £3.6 billion business. But the organisational purpose of, 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 of doing good uh, is quite compelling and it was a, a, a contributing factor to my choice, definitely. You left secondary school in Mansfield with a handful of O-levels and went straight into the family construction business. Um, what, at that time, what did you think you were going to be doing for the next 20 years? I think, uh, you know, when, when I left school, I was probably like, you know, a lot of young people. I was quite lost and quite unfocused about what I wanted to do and, and, and kind of where I wanted to be. And I think, you know, it's that age-old question of what do you want to be when you grow up, which to, to a large degree I'm, I'm still answering even now. But... I've always been very driven by opportunity. And at that point in time, um, you know, as a youngster within a construction business, the surveying profession seemed like one of the most professional sectors that was open to me. Um, and that felt like a, a sensible way of, of pursuing a degree whilst at work. And, and obviously, I, I saw a future in that field. Um, but even when I was doing my university studies, I kind of always had this desire to want to work cross-functionally and I've always had that interest in other fields. So I think um, that's probably why I've ended up working in a number of, of, of areas since then. So, so what, did you, what did you do in the family business to start with as a, as a 16-year-old? So uh, it was a, a very, very modest role uh, uh, to start off with. So it was a, an office junior type role straight out of school. Um, a mixture of, uh, of site and uh, on-site activities and off-site activities. I took the opportunity to, to go and do um, my gas engineering qualifications during that period as well. So, um, you know, another, another, another string to my bow. Um, but then started to, um, you know, shadow the surveyors and start to get involved in more the, um, the land surveying and the development activities that were really at the, part of the heart of the family business, really. So, so what do you what do you know now <laughs> that you that you wish you'd known then? Maybe I think the the key um, reflection would be the importance of a great mentor. You know, I spent a lot of my early years trying to figure things out for myself, and it was probably only when I was fortunate fortunate enough to work for a, a really inspiring manager that was a, a great natural coach that things started to click. And I think you know, like motion people, we all need good guidance and counsel. Um, and even now in my in my you know more senior career, I have two excellent mentors that I, I meet with monthly. Um, and I think you know if I'd had that kind of support earlier on in my career, I would probably been a little bit more bolder and ambitious in in some of the things I did. And 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 your mentors that that you started with, what kind of advice did they give you? So I think probably the the words that kind of echo in my ears is about you know, building your own personal brand within the business. And that's something that's probably stayed with me ever since. Um, so I think that's being very, very self-aware about how you're coming across, how you're interacting with stakeholders, um, 
delivering, you know, high quality outcomes in, in, in kind of everything, everything that you, you get the opportunity to touch. And, and I think being, you know, ambitious in, in trying to um, get involved in a, a cross section of projects and, you know, and having a little bit of confidence to push for opportunity as well, you know, and, and be, you know, kind of, kind of quite ambitious with, with going to other senior leaders with business cases where you feel you can, you can contribute and deliver an outcome. So you talk about ambition there, but when you actually left school, you chose not to do a degree straight away. But since then, you've 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 got four. Um, how important is this continuous learning been for you? I mean, the the, the continual learning development has been in, invaluable to me, and I think the the university environment in particular um, resonated with me because I was there because I wanted to be doing. Uh, subject matter that was you know of, of, of great interest to me but you know I can't emphasize enough you know the importance of academic qualifications uh, and experiences running in parallel with with business exposure and, and practical application you know the degrees I've pursued have been across management leadership HR and that's obviously been from undergraduate level through to you know I'm currently just submitted by um, doctoral um, qualification and they've all been springboards in my career whether that's through pro- progression and promotion or from the audiences that you get to interact with within your business because of the nature of the the studies that you're undertaking at that time and you know for me it's a it's a lifelong journey really so when you eventually left your own family business you worked for another family business engineering company shepherd group who you may have mentioned already um are family control companies a, a particularly good place to learn maybe I think, you know, I've learned um, a lot from working with family-owned businesses um, and, 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 and I've also, obviously also worked for a couple of PLCs. But when I worked for Shepherd Group, they were the largest privately-owned construction business in Europe. And when I worked for NG Bailey, you know, they were the largest privately-owned mechanical and electrical contracting business in the UK. So family businesses, from my experience, have always been a fantastic environment to grow within. Um, by the nature of second, third generation family owned businesses that are seven, eight hundred million pound turnover environments, you know, you, you tend to get an, an entrepreneurial core of, of individuals at the heart of those businesses, you know, where you get great experiences from. But it, it comes with a lot of accountability as well, because you are dealing with the shareholders, you know, on a day to day basis, um, which is a, a unique environment as well. So people say that family businesses are perhaps slightly more lucrative that you not to put too fine a point on it you get paid better is that right i think there's 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 a, there was there's definitely an opportunity in family businesses to have a you know a very good uh, standard of pay and i think because you're dealing on a day-to-day basis with the individuals that hold the pnl and have that long-term focus. They are, you know, that they are environments that are keen to invest in people who they get to know on a very, very personal level, uh, and obviously that goes hand in hand with 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 remuneration and and, and progression. Um, but I think in you know in 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 other environments as well, um, particularly within you know construction and engineering space, there's there's some very very good careers to be um, kind of explored in both environments. And you talk construction and engineering um, there. Um, you've also changed discipline along the way. You went from surveying uh, to engineering, now procurement. Was that intentional? Um, I think, as I probably alluded to, you know, I've always been quite driven by opportunity, and I've always been quite agile in in kind of how I've approached, you know, my career and those opportunities. 
So when I moved into, you know, kind of business development and, and key account management within an engineering business um, outside of surveying, that felt like a, a natural progression in a way because I enjoyed building relationships with clients and I liked uh, developing solutions and solving problems, albeit some of those had been commercial problems. Now it was it was kind of business development and more solutions. Um, and I think it was my MBA that got me involved in working quite closely with the main board at Shepherd Group on strategic projects. And just one of those strategic projects happened to be procurement, which was a big opportunity at the time within that family owned business. And then kind of that was 10 years ago and I've uh, kind of evolved a number of roles within within that space. Uh, does, it, does it all come down to good management in the end, being a good manager of time and resource and people? Yeah, very much so. I think the you know the fundamental principles of whether you're working in a, a commercial surveying role or business development or procurement, um, good business acumen and the fact that you know solutions are delivered through people is at the heart of all of those areas. So I think you know as a as a primary skill set, um, good management probably comes first. The the technical aspects of the role you can acquire over time. Your previous three jobs were with well-known brands, big brands, Kia Group, Morgan Sindel, um, NG Bailey. However, you stayed less than three years at each. Do business leaders need new challenges to keep motivated? Personally, I do like new challenges and, and, it, and it brings a lot of motivation for me to be, to be new into an organisation and new into a, a, you know, a big challenge. I've also worked, you know, particularly in a number of those roles at Keir and Morgan Sindel on transformation roles, which by the very nature tend to be quite intense and time framed. Um, so I think my advice is, you know, there's got to be a balance between spending long enough time in an organisation to make an impact, but also being agile enough to go and test yourself in other organisations and other roles to, to build your experiences, particularly earlier on in your career. So do you, do you think that maybe a common thread among among uh, potential great leaders is, is is a restlessness maybe? I think I think there is a, a big degree in that from the experiences I've had, and I'm and you know it's not to say that um, to progress to a senior role you have to move a number of times in your career. You know I work alongside you know some very very inspirational people at NG that have only ever worked for NG. You know, but but in a variety of of uh, of roles, uh, and and always kind of in a transversal nature. So people moving out of work, winning into human resources, into operational roles, and really getting that rounded experience. So, I think that thirst for for knowledge and experience is a is a is a key trait. What are the overarching challenges facing today's young businessmen and women? How might they how might they meet those challenges head on? I mean, I think there are some really unprecedented challenges facing today's young business people. Um, and, you know, particularly in the, in the, in the context where we are now of, 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 of COVID, you know, most organisations have been working remotely for at least, you know, kind of 12 months. So there will be a lot of um, young business people and, and recent graduates that are joining organisations where they're trying to build that personal brand over Teams and over Zoom. Um, not in a face-to-face environment and, that, and that's probably a challenge that, that a lot of managers have, have, have never had but that shift to remote working has also broken down a lot of geographical boundaries you know and it's enabling people to, to work for organizations from anywhere uh, which I think is going to open up huge opportunity. But presuming that, um, that we do end up working face-to-face again I think there'll be a, 
a great explosion of creativity as people start feeding off each other again? I think I've, I think they will be, and if I if I look at the, you know my own team and my own context, um, I think people have, have have really kind of ridden a wave over the last twelve months of of quite enjoying the commute stopping and the and, and the, the, the the time at home with family, but we are you know we're social beings by nature and that face to face interaction is is very difficult to replace, but I think there'll be a there'll be a balance coming out of this where where people crave that. That innovation, as you say, and, and that, that, that human contact, but equally, I think there'll be a more sensible approach to, you know, people being physically in London five days a week, 13 hours a day with long commutes will, will hopefully um, soften. So from a personal point of view, you, you're looking to, uh, <laughs> to stop that? Definitely, uh, you know, if I look at my, my early years at, at NG, spending four nights away, um, it, it, it takes its toll. And I think a more balanced approach would be my uh, would be my uh, preferred outcome. Finally, what single piece of advice might you give to um, to say graduates leaving not in business school this year who aspire to be a business leader like yourself? I think you know my advice would be to be bold and ambitious in in what they want to do next. And I think uh, I would urge them as much as much as possible not to settle for. You know, a role that doesn't excite you and, 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 and really drive you to give 110%. I think those those early years after graduation are really precious. And, you know, I'd urge graduate, graduates to kind of target opportunities that allow you to channel that creativity and intellect and passion. Okay, so they should be they should be uh, choosy, but but they should get involved with something rather than rather than just waiting for that role. Yeah, I think you you know there's a balance to be struck between falling into inactivity and being you know too much a purist about what you do next. I think, but but what I would urge is be very deliberate in your decision making around the organisations that you want to work for and the types of roles where you think you can make impact. Jonathan Sims, thank you very much for joining us here on the Business Leaders Podcast. Thanks, Mike. If you enjoyed this episode, why not check out some of the others that are available, including those with former banking executive Robin Fole and sportswear marketing guru Charlotte Cox. The Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast is produced for Nottingham Trent University by Celtic Tiger Productions. Your presenter was Mike Sassy and it was produced by John Collins.